Welcome to the Maine Outdoor Enthusiast Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Mark. So we're going to talk a little grouse hunting today. Grouse hunting or and your... grouse populations. Okay, yeah. I throw you for a throw you for a loop. No, you didn't throw me for a loop. No? I knew we're... And by the way, they're, they're partridge. Oh. Yeah. So in our world, they're partridge. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, a partridge is shot on the ground and a grouse is shot out of the air. And I shoot most of my birds on the ground, so... That's not very ethical. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Uh, I was raised, that's one of the things, you know, from a young age, uh, we, we partridge hunt. And uh, back, back in the day, you never heard the word grouse from, from my father's generation. No. The guy, they never, they, the word grouse was never, it was a partridge or simply a bird. Or Patridge. Yeah, yeah, that's down east, yeah, down, <laughs> down the southern part of the state. But that, uh, so if you asked them what they were doing on the weekend or whatever, they'd, they'd, they wouldn't even say grouse hunting or partridge, bird hunting, going bird, bird hunting. hunting. Yeah. yeah, just simple, simply bird hunting was, uh, and yeah, you knew what they were talking about. When you think about that, it's kind of funny. I'm going bird hunting. What kind of birds you? Yep, no, that w- it went without saying. You knew what they were going to do. That reminds me, we were down in, we were in Kittery Trading Posts, and Lacey was looking for some stuff for Meadow. Yeah which is our, our dog. And, uh, she goes up to the guy and she's like, uh, I'm wondering where your dog hunting stuff is. (laughs) (laughs) The the guy goes, our what? She's like, you know, I was like stuff for hunting dogs, a hunting dog. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yeah, "Yeah, it does sound kind of funny when you put it that way. My sisters, when, when we would get back from hunting and uh, my sisters would always ask if we caught anything, did you catch something? You know, do yeah. yeah. You catch a bird, you catch that, a deer. That implies you can release it. Yeah, that which you can't. And it's funny, people, non-hunters, when I was at college, they'd ask the same thing, I'd get back from deer camp. They'd be like, you ca- catch anything? Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. you're yeah. implying that if I I bag one, I can let it go. Yeah. There's there's no returning it. If, no, you know, if this isn't one. fly fishing. It's, no. it's the end of the road. No. So I guess, so we're at episode, this is episode 12. Yeah. A dozen. We're at a yeah. dirty dozen? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how dirty, but a dozen. Well, no, it's pretty clean. Yeah. And we got some sunshine today. Yeah. Yeah. Holy we had some yesterday. Smokes. It's funny you it's mentioned still that, un- It's still poured, though. It rained so hard at the camp yesterday. Yeah. It rained so hard. I just drained the boat out and thought I was going to get by. The only time I've been in the boat this summer is to drain it. And, uh, and yeah. I thought I was going to get by, and it... Filled back up yesterday evening. What's the water level? What's it's the water it's level about like? as high as I've ever seen it. This, this time of year, you get into August, late August, and uh, usually it's uh, the, the lowest it is all year for the year. And uh, right now it is high, high, high. The water's high. Lots of water. Well, then I wonder how the fall it, fishing it, will it be. It bodes well for that. When the fish respond, if if the uh, if we don't have a dry spell and the water stays up, you you it would make for good fall I, fishing up there. <clears throat> I can't imagine having a dry enough spell, but right reduce the water that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to some people that have places on other lakes, and they typically have a beach, and they have no beach. No, it's high. Right Paul. It's extremely up, up high. over. One guy's up over his wharf, actually. It would be interesting, and I don't watch the news or anything, so I have no idea. It would be interesting to know our rainfall for the summer 
and I haven't heard anything, or but it must be like one of the wettest summers in a long I was, time. This afternoon, I didn't have time, but I was thinking about getting on Noah to yeah. go just to see the past week. Yeah, because I feel like every day it's. But like it's not just this past inches, week. It's no, but been I just the entire summer. That, just uh, the past few days, it seems like every day it's like inches of rain. Yep. Not and like I say, it didn't rain long yesterday, but, but it, it came pours. down. It poured. There was water standing on the lawn. You know. Well, I walk out back, and it's like walking on a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Well, I guess before we get too much into grouse hunting, one of the first things we can talk about is grouse populations in Maine. Um which we've always had a healthy population. We have. We've grouse. always had a lot of birds up here. We've been fortunate. It's good habitat for birds. A lot of mixed growth. Yeah. Um, mixed age growth. Yeah. So a lot of good habitat. Um, there was a study that was done by some University of Maine grad students, 2014 to, through 2016. That was a pretty good pretty good study you've you've read parts of it you yeah i've seen and like i say i've seen on tv that part of the study and yeah they, they radio collared them the grouse they, they did would, they, they would put, net them and so radio they put them. they put these yeah. basically it's like a, a necklace type yeah radio collar for birds and it was pretty interesting so what they did was again there's some grad students um the idea behind it is Maine hadn't didn't really have any studies done like right. that. Other states had, um, so they're trying to get an idea of what survival rates are, are like right. in the state. Well, and I think too, Paul, the effect uh, when I was a kid, uh, the grouse season was short. It didn't even so, go through deer season. It, it went ended like halfway through deer season. Or you're right. And uh, so they expanded it to the end of December. December. And I guess they really wanted to get a handle on the effect that that may have had on the population yeah. if they, because that's something they can control hunting. Correct. So, yeah, so they're they're going to get an idea of what just general survival rates were like mm. in the state. So if you could stratify them for um, seasonality, because yeah. there's variations amongst the season as yeah. far as what stresses them out. So severe weather, snowpack. Mm -hmm. At fall time, they transitioned from foraging on the ground mm -hmm. to foraging in the trees. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, nesting, you know, puts yeah. them at risk, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Predation yeah. was another one. And then, so ultimately, yeah, they really wanted to look at hunting, what effect hunters have on it. And then you're right, particularly that late season, mm. because they're going from foraging on the ground right. to foraging into the trees. Yeah, um, which we call and, budding up here. Yeah, they, and they, then they bud. So you've got severe weather coming, yeah. increased snowpack. So it is extending the season. Is that going to be detrimental to the population? Okay. Um, another way it could be termed, you know, is it going to be compensatory? So in other words, the birds you take, we're going to die anyway. Right. So if you look at overall survivability of the birds, what was taken during hunting season didn't change the overall Right, had no, basically had no effect it on just population. all came out in the wash by the end of the year. Yeah. Or are you going to add more stress to the population right. and, and take birds that wouldn't normally yeah. be be taken? Um, so it's pretty neat, pretty neat study. And we'll just kind of go over it real quick. Um, but other, like I said, other states had, had 
looked at this in the past. Right. And we really haven't. And it's kind of interesting when you look at Maine and they've done well with a lot of things like that. And I think it's partially, like if you look at like native brook trout, mm. we still have healthy native brook trout populations. But I think it's because we're kind of like the one of the last states to get developed and right. get influenced like some of the other states. And you can right. kind of learn from how other states have messed up. Right. Because um, if you look at the grouse populations across the U.S., kind of all throughout the northern U.S. into Canada. But when you get to the southern edge of that border, you'll see declining populations mm. right now. And it mostly has to do with loss of habitat. Right. And uh, Ohio is one that comes yeah. up a lot. That They've had a pretty severe declining population, I guess, of, mm. of grouse. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you know, we don't want to end up in that situation. We've got a right. good population now. Any idea what the grouse population is in the state? I, yeah. I, it, like, uh, maybe three quarters of a million in, in that area. Half, Actually, half to three quarters of a no, million. No, some of the, so th there isn't really a concrete number. Some of the stuff I read was like between one and one and a half million. Oh, is there? Yeah. Because yeah. I know some of the harvest rates in previous, previous years, like early 80s, I believe it was. Like they're saying, like a half million birds. Yeah, I think I read that. Were probably. harvested yeah. somewhere yeah. up to three quarters of a million. Yeah, maybe um, that's what that's, I was thinking of the uh, the harvest rates and stuff. That's that's a lot of birds. That's a lot of but birds. But I think it's sure. very hard to quantify because of the way they're hunted. Yeah, you don't have to tag them or report them or anything like that. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be something very hard to to quantify, but yeah, so a really healthy. Grouse population. Hunting is the only variable that we really can control. Control. So exactly. we can't control predation. We can't nope. control, um, well, I should say human variables. Um, hunting, probably the biggest, but also effects on habitat. If right. we're destroying habitat. But, uh, you know, we can't control the weather. Can't control uh, predation, stuff like that. Right. So, but we can control hunting. Right. Um, so it's good to have some sort of idea, some sort of number. Right. So I guess, how do they go about doing this? Um they basically selected two study areas. And of course, this was at the University of Maine at Orno. So they, one area was the stud mill road, just yep. outside of Orno. Um, I think it was approximately 25,000 acres. It was that first study area. The second one was Fry Mountain. Yeah. Substantially smaller. I think it was about 5,000 acres. Mm -hmm. And it was state-owned land managed by Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife, I believe. Yeah. And they managed it specifically for upland bird hunting. Yeah. Um, Stud Mill Road was popular. I mean, back when I was in college down there, that's all the college kids that hunted. That's where you would go to. Stud Mill Road, yeah. Go bird hunting. If it you had heads, a few hours after class, yeah. before dark. Now that heads out towards Callis, Paul, out, out towards Washington have, County. Yeah, I'd have, yeah. I'd have to yeah. look at a map to see specifically yeah. where where it goes. Yeah. But yeah, we shot birds out there. Yeah. Um. And it was pretty cool. I don't know if they do this anymore, but we used to keep our guns at public safety. Oh, yeah. Right there at the end of right campus. On campus yeah. yeah. So you'd check your guns in and out. And yeah, if we had time after class yeah. or Saturday, if I wasn't coming home, yeah. that's usually where we'd go. Now, it's, it's funny you talk about shooting birds down there. I can remember, and this was a lot of years ago, this was back in the in the 70s or 80s, talking to people that lived down around Bangor. And they never shot a bird on the ground down there because they never, I mean, it was just, they were hard so, to, they were so hard to get. Yeah. It was a different animal down well, there. Well, you, uh, you see that here. 
Yes, you do. Just yeah, locally. even where we hunt around the camp compared to the the, uh, the get, uh, big woods, we call it. Uh, up a big in, difference up in the big woods. They, they'll stay put. They'll look at you. Yeah, and just kind of yeah. sit there and, and stay put. Up around the the lakes no, and stuff. Generally, they don't do that. Boys, You'll get you the occasional be, bird that'll hold tight, but generally you can, they're they're you can be upwards of a half mile away, and they're going coming around the corner, and they just nose right out straight, right yeah, on a dead run. That or take off or fly. take off. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's a lot of days where you see a lot of birds. Yeah, I get very few. And your percentage isn't very No. Not very not up good. around the lakes. No. It's no. it's different for sure. Although it's kind of changing a little bit up in the woods. Yeah, it is. They've been under a lot of pressure here the last twenty years and stuff. And we've talked about the moose season yeah. probably contributing to Yeah. A lot of people that. coming up and people that come up and go moose hunting kind of realize how good the the, the bird, bird hunting, hunting is, is and yeah. they well. Heck, yeah. they'll start doing some bird hunting. Yeah. So, okay. So, back to that study. They So, they had two areas, um, obviously different sizes, but they're roughly the same as far as predation is concerned. Um, so, they tried to match them up pretty evenly for that. So, they captured them. Yeah, they had some sort of cage set up that they used to mm. capture the grouse. Kind of a net to funnel them into that cage. Yeah. And they had ground net yeah. along the ground that would kind of it would kind of funnel them into that cage. Yeah. And then they, so they banded them. Then also put a a necklace type collar radio on collar on that let out a radio frequency mm. that they could track these birds with. And I believe if there was no if that collar didn't move for eight hours, right? The the beep that it would let out sped up or slow down. I forget which one, but it changed the frequency and how so they knew that. It was and they knew dead. that okay, it's either dead or it came off or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It wasn't moving. Um, so yeah, after eight hours, it would it would change its response, and they would know that yeah. probably the bird was dead. So yeah, they they assess the birds for age. Mm-hmm. So less than one year of age, they considered a juvenile. Older than one was an adult. Assessed them for sex and weight. If the birds were less than a certain weight, they wouldn't 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 call wouldn't call them too because, much stress on it. Yep, yeah, I believe if the collar was greater than three percent of the bird's weight, yeah, it was a risk of. Right. Stressing the bird and, and killing yep. it. Um, they also didn't, they censored their data for like the first six days after collaring the birds, just in case if birds died right. for the first six days, it probably was the stress from handling and right. and collaring them. They had 248 grouse mm-hmm. that they ended up collaring and studying. Um, so their total data set or their, their sample population was 248 grouse. 136 were males. I think it was like 112 were females. And each, in the males and females side, they both were about 50% juveniles, 50% adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's kind of skewed about 20% more to males versus females. So that might affect some outcomes. It was funny. So over the course of three years, there were 43 ghosts that were killed by hunters. Um so 37 of them were reported. Two were not reported. Mm-hmm. Um, what they did is on, on those bands and on the collars, they had a number that they could right. call if they, if they shot the grouse. Um, then there was four that were shot and not recovered. Mm-hmm. So maybe a wing shot, something like that. Right. Someone couldn't find it. Right. Um, the two that weren't reported, that were shot and not reported, they found one hanging over a tree limb. Yeah. So someone must have cleaned it and just yeah. hung the necklace up over the tree limb. Um, interestingly enough, so October of the 43 in October, 
26 were killed in October. And you had seven in November and then 10 in December. And so there's a lot of, we'll get more into that here in a second, but there's probably a lot of reasons why is first of all, October, that's kind of when everyone goes right. bird hunting. Right. Um, once November hits, more people are deer hunting. Right. Less focused on bird hunting. And same thing in, in a December. Right. Um, some of the other factors, you know, as far as early in October is a lot more juveniles. Yeah. Or out yeah. and about. And those are the ones that typically. Get and that shot. would fit into our, we shoot most of our birds in October. Early it's, on. It would fit into how we, uh, what we experience. And then, then once so. you get into December, you're not only, you know, probably less hunters, but you're limited on areas you can hunt. Right. If the snowpack is up. Yeah. You're, you can't get out into some of the places that you yeah. normally would the beginning of October. Um, so additional mortality. So outside of hunters, there was uh, 54 during the hunting season, uh, 46 during the winter, and then 35 spring and summer. Now, they did, uh, didn't they determine that avian predation yeah, was the highest? So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that here okay. in, in a minute. I'm jumping ahead of you. Yeah, no, and that's fine. So, yeah. Um, obviously highest survival, as I mentioned, was during the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, lowest was October, but if you get rid of October, it was kind of the winter months when weather's severe, high snowpack. Well, didn't, didn't a lot of snow, isn't that a, an advantage to the grouse to, as far as snow roosting and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. And I, I got an interesting story about that. They didn't really address that. Yeah. Um, because I've read articles on that and that, uh, some years when there's a lot of snow, the survival's good because of that. The I believe, snow roosting, yeah, it, I, it helps them with predation. And, yeah, uh, I think it's about once they, there's, surviving cold once there's at least 10 inches of snow, yeah. they can snow roost. Yeah. And actually, I get a story about out back here this past winter. I was taking a walk out back, snowshoeing with the kids. And we were, last year, we were seeing quite a few partridge out back here. And I was walking out through the woods, and I could see where our partridge had landed on the snow. And it still it hadn't clicked in my head yet. I just was curious. I walked over, mm -hmm. looked like he walked maybe a foot and there was a divot in the snow. So I just, I'm like, oh, look, we're a partridge land. And I'm like, I don't see where he went from there. And I literally, when I went to step down right beside where his last, he came right out of the snow, right between yep. my legs, scared the living daylights out of me. Yeah. I've never had that happen. Cause I've, he had gone. I've seen where they've snow yeah, roosted. So he'd but gone maybe a foot or two yeah, feet from yeah. where he went into the snow. Yeah. And then went over about two feet yeah. and he shot up out of the snow, just like a rocket. Yeah. It reminded me of like a nuclear sub. Yeah. Coming up out of the... Shoot, yeah. No, shooting at like a yeah. intercontinental ballistic missile yeah. out of the water. Yeah. I mean, it just shot up out of the yeah. out of the snow. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> the kids were like, what was that? Yeah. Scared the living daylights out of me. Um, so the harvest rate, you take the average of those three years, was about 16%. Yeah. Um, and that was comparable with other states. Some states were quite a bit higher. Um, I was thinking it was around 15% as far as uh, yeah. Hunter, uh, yeah. So they had, for those three years, 16%. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing is, and I, I wish I saw, they had the actual numbers in the study. Um, they didn't say how many birds they trapped from either area. Yeah. I'm not going to assume it's equal because... The hunter success rate in the Fry Mountain area was like twice that of the Stud Mill Road. And there was one hunter in particular that they mentioned in the that Fry Mountain, that, that area, that 
accounted for 45% wow. of the birds harvested. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of was like, but yeah, so hunter success rate there was like twice that yeah. said milk. But overall survival, yeah. when they ran all the numbers, it came out the same. Yeah. It came out as basically equal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hunter, hunter success rate was different. So it makes you wonder, you know, different types of hunters yeah. going to these places, maybe slightly different woods they're hunting. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Population densities. You know, yeah. I, I wish they would have mentioned, you know, maybe there was more grouse at Fry Mountain versus at the Stud Mill right. Road. Um, a lot denser, denser of a population. So after they looked at, you know, hunter success rate, or the percentage taken by hunters, they looked at other sources of mortality. And you'd mentioned avian predation. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. So that was predominantly... That's the major driver. In, yeah. So yeah. hawks, owls, yeah. stuff like that. It actually was probably skewed in their in their study the way that they would decide whether it was done by an avian or a mammalian predator. It probably was skewed even more towards mammalian predators. So the actual numbers of the may have been higher. May have been higher for avian yeah. because you would get birds that probably were killed by what they call a raptor, mm-hmm. avian predator, but a, a mammal that's a scavenger had come along. And got the bird. Right. So it was counted towards, right. you know, a, yep. so it was probably even higher than, than what they reported in the study. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me think of this past year, the past few years, um, we've seen a lot of hawks. Along the roads. Along the roads. When you're driving I've, down I've the dirt I've never roads, seen yeah. as many as, yeah. as we have the past yeah. couple of years. It seems like every corner you come around, there's a hawk coming down in the road. Yeah. Coming out of a tree. Overall, again, I like stuff like this. It, it was really interesting. Um, so I guess overall, you know, what's the big takeaway is that it doesn't, it's not conclusive that hunters have a compensatory effect. Right. But it does suggest that. Yeah. Um, clearly suggests that. Yeah. Because yeah, it all came out in the wash. Yeah. In the end that survival rates were the same. One of, one of the things, and it's not this study, but I've read in studies, from other states in, uh, years ago, Paul, was they would go in and they would do try to do population studies and they would go into an area that, you know, maybe it was a, a park or a federal park and you there was no hunting allowed. And then that they would, would... Did they mention that in that study? So they kind of did. So one of the downfalls with a study like this, first of all, and, and we'll address that, is it's an observational study. Mm. Um so there's a lot of what they'll call selection bias that can be that can kind of crop up in these. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, you want everything randomized. You want to try to account for as many confounding variables as possible. Yeah. Um so you have like both populations that you're sampling are equal as far as sex, age, um maybe population densities, hunting pressure, and if you just, you know, if you want to do a study like this that can really start to show you something is you've got to have somewhat of a control group. Mm. And that's kind of what you're talking about is you have basically an ident- identical population that you're going to look at that has no hunting. Right. And then another population in kind of an identical area, everything, try to make everything the same. And then you have hunting. And then basically 
you have only those two variables mm. that, that you have isolated. And it's very hard to do, especially something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have a randomized, it really can't be blinded. Right. Um, and yeah, you kind of want like... Yeah, there's a lot you can't control. You want stuff some and, sort of control group yeah. versus, a, you know, an active group. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some states do that. And, and, like and that would give you some better insight. Into and that. what I remember, and this, these are a long time ago that they found that basically the populations, there was no difference year in and year out. The, yeah. There was just as many birds where you could, where they were being hunted as there was where in a place that was, there was no hunting. Yeah. And so that's where Maine get in when, when they found these things out that hunting wasn't really affecting the population that they said, well, we can increase opportunity to hunt. Yeah. Instead of having it four weeks, we'll go, we'll go 12 weeks. Yeah. October, November, December. Yeah. We'll go 12 weeks because you have an opportunity at least to go out and hunt and you're not really affecting the a population. And that is really, like I say, why, like uh, when I was a kid, I think it may have been four weeks, the, the grouse season. And now we're up to 12 weeks. Was it just October when you were a kid? I, I know that you, it shut down sometime in November during deer season. Okay. Whether that was halfway or at the very beginning, I don't remember. But I could tell you a story about a deer hunter that uh, a friend of the family that he was walking back to camp and he shot a grouse in the camp driveway. It was in November and uh, he got, he got pinched. You get, uh, it was... Season was closed? The season was okay. closed. Yeah. So I do know that it was closed in, uh, and I, you know, I used to deer hunt. We didn't shoot any birds during deer season. We would have if we, and uh, so I'd have to look, go back into the and 60s and 70s and see what the grouse season, I'm sure we can find, could find that out. Yeah. But in, in you know, and in, I don't know if in this study if it talks about that, a major player in gr- grouse population is the breeding season. It's uh, yeah. it's how, how well the, uh, what the weather's like when they breed. Which, yeah. They, they or nesting season, I should say. Yeah, they just mentioned that as a, you know, as a stressor, as they yeah. were looking at, you know, how do times of the year, you know, if you had hunting seasons overlapping yeah. more stressful times, on the population, yeah. is that, you know, is that going to be a no-go? Right. That, no, they didn't mention um, the specifics. Because that, uh, what we know now is uh, that's probably the biggest determination of what our fall season is yeah. going to look like as far Which, as grouse is. Uh, this fall isn't looking, no, I if hope you I'm have wrong. A, if you have a cold, wet spring, it doesn't bode well for for uh, the grouse population. And I can't nesting. find any place yet that's. That's been addressed. Yeah. Um, I think the Bangor Daily had an article in there back in June or July, but I I don't get the Bangor Daily, so I don't have access to it. Yeah. Um, but just going from our own observations and talking to other people. Yeah. And just what we saw this spring. Yeah. And and that can be region, regional too, can. because maybe in some parts of the state, the, the weather was better. In some parts, it was worse. So you may, you're, you're, Population may uh, differ there's, from. There's been so from, many years that you know you, you hear a report that oh, it's going to be a terrible year, cold, wet spring, yeah. and we're shooting birds like crazy. Yeah. And it's like you kind of want to say, "Well, God, they don't know what they're talking about," 
And then you have a year where they're saying, oh, it's going to be a good yeah. hunting year. And you're like, oh, God, I'm not really shooting that many. So it, I don't think it's like, like you said, I don't think it's so much that whoever it is that's giving the report doesn't know what they're talking about. It's more, yeah, it can vary from wait and see region to region. Yeah. Go regardless. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> get out and go and uh, you get what you get. Yeah. Because it, it's uh, fun no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, that's that. Uh... So, yeah, I guess some of the other things with, you know, with this is they, I, I wonder if some of the locations they pick to study these birds, you know, it was locations of convenience. Obviously, you yeah. know, rather than, because yeah. you wonder how this, you know, can be extrapolated to like northern Maine. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of areas you would suspect that a grouse isn't going to get hunted. Yeah. If they have, you know, a maximum territory, what, three acres or whatever. Yeah. Most of them are like an yeah. acre or whatever. And that's a, that's a surprising thing for people, just how small their, yeah. their area is. And they said the, the males were even smaller than the females, I think. And yeah. they said that a, a male may not move from his drumming log more than six or 800 feet in his, yeah, ent- yeah. his entire life. So. I've read some things that have said basically like an acre. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know in another one that I read recently, you know, it was, they said up to three acres. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not very far. No, not very far. Even the the ju- young, young are far more, you know. Even they, when the juveniles disperse, though, it's still. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not mean, extensive by any no, means. No. Um, so the other thing that kind of caught me by surprise, though, was the. Uh, I, th- I figured more birds would have been lost to hunter shooting and not finding. Mm. It was less than 10%. Yeah. Um, granted, the number of birds that they, their sample size was very small relative to, I got to assume, the population The there. overall population. I got to assume yeah. there's, you yeah. know, obviously that's a drop in the bucket compared right. to the total number of birds that are yeah. in those areas. And uh, so, yeah, less than 10%, I would have expected, yeah. you know. Maybe more. Yeah. More birds killed yeah. and not found. Yeah. Um, just because it's easy to do, even if you shoot one and it's yeah. just... We, we know they can be tough and they, they can be hard to find. Even if you make a, you know, yeah. a perfect shot and they just, their wings flap there for yeah. 10, 15 seconds. They can cover yeah. themselves with leaves and be under I, a log in no time. I, I've told you the story I, that uh, a couple of years ago I shot one and, and if I hadn't seen right where it went, it was running. I broke the wing. I shot it on the wing. I, uh, so this was a grouse. And uh, that's right, it changes the whole, yeah. And I, so this was a gross. he went over a log and he and it was all open underneath. I was in a, a regen type of uh, all, all spruce, and I and he just disappeared. And I went over to where I last saw him, and there was a hole in the ground underneath a spruce tree. And that bird had gone in that hole, and I started digging in the ground. And found that bird, buried, completely buried. Did in you that. go clear to your armpit, or was oh, it? Oh, it was amazing. I looked in there, and I well, I broke the I broke the ground down on the top of it. it I could kind of cave it in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's my bird. He was all covered with dirt because it all came. And I picked him. I couldn't believe it. So that tells you how easy. Yeah. He went into a hole that there's no way I would have if I hadn't known exactly where he was. If if you I hadn't never. seen him, I'd never found that bird. Yeah, those are times that a dog will come in handy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a dog would have found it easy, would have. Yeah. But, but uh, so I, I think back to the birds that I've lost, Paul, and I've gone and I've seen them run in the wind. 
you go in and you can't find them and you start, they could be anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they, they can crawl. There's a lot, a lot of holes of, in the ground. A lot of crevices and stuff for them to disappear. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was a, like I said, I always, I like studies like that. And that was, yeah, that was an interesting one that, you know, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they mentioned that, you know, it's not a hundred percent conclusive. Right. But it does suggest that in other states have, have yeah. done the same thing. And, uh, well, I think it answers a lot of questions that we have, Paul. You know, we've we just never really knew anything. No, there's. They no. mean, like I say, there's never been any studies done. So, I mean, we just we're we're guessing on a lot of things. Yeah, how they're dying and stuff, and yeah, just guessing on how. So yeah, uh, one of the things avian predation I would have never guessed was yeah at the top of the list. Yeah, you would you would think some sort of mammal. Yeah, and would, and I would have thought. Hunters being more than sixteen yeah. percent of the uh, of the population, and so yeah. killing more than sixteen yeah. percent of the population. Well, you, and yeah. we've thought about it, especially when you get into the big woods, the areas that you can't can't hunt. I, right. I know tracking deer, and I, I don't know why. Maybe other people have the same sort of luck, but I don't know how many times I've been getting close to a deer and have a sneaking partridge right in front of me, yeah. and I'm thinking. Don't flush. Yeah. Please don't. And he's looking at me. The head's going yeah. back and forth. And I've had yeah. partridge mess up a few hunts. Yeah. And things take off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so you figure I'm in the middle of the woods, middle of nowhere. That bird. He's safe. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's from, not a, from, a, from a hunter. Not from a hunter. He's, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's not yeah. going to get. There's a lot of woods out there that a hunter never steps foot in when you get into that three and, and a half million acres of uh, land out there. And, and I, I see a lot of birds tracking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, I mean, we're basically hunting yeah. the edges when we're bird hunting. Yeah. You know, old logging roads. We yeah. walk a lot of old roads. Yeah. Um, and some drivable roads. We like to get yeah. out and walk a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. So I, I never would have never would have thought. No. So yeah, if anyone's interested in you know reading the study or going through it, I'll put a link in the description below. It was done by uh, Samantha Davis and some other students. Um, I believe they are all grad students that did this. Um, and they did it in conjunction with the Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife, so University of Maine at Warno. And yeah, I'll put a link in the description. And yeah, if someone's bored enough and wants to read. Yeah. 30 or 40 well, pages of... I found it. I, I had actually seen the study, Paul. I didn't really look at it hard, but I'd, I'd known about the study because I am I love bird hunting and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I had seen that they had done a study. And, and uh, so I was interested in enough yeah. in it to... to uh, Peruse through it, or at least yeah. read the abstract. Yeah. Get an idea of what, yeah. what's get, what. Get the... Uh, the summary, you know, yeah. I don't, I didn't read it word for word because there was a lot to read, but I, you know, I got the gist of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll do some more, more studies like that. Yeah. And also, Paul, in that too is, uh, uh, moose was the same way. They really, I mean, within they didn't some, have a handle on the moose population. No, they had no idea. No. They had no idea what the population was in the state uh, years ago. They had done no studies. They really, you know, they. They relied a lot, I think, on studies from other other states or provinces of, yep. from Canada and stuff that uh, they really didn't know what uh, what was what with the moose population. Yeah. They had very little to do with the whole moose deal anyway. That was all 
that was just a, a product of all the cutting practices that yeah. they, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, the clear cutting. Habitat became prime. Ha habitat, they made prime habitat and the moose population was unreal in the 80s and 90s yeah. and the early 2000s. I can remember then, I, I mean, you wouldn't go a day. Oh, you could when see a lot of moose. I was a kid up in the North Main Woods without seeing a moose. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple and, moose. You know, they were saying back then, it's funny, before they'd done any studies and stuff and population surveys, they had said, well, there's about 30,000 moose. And there were so many moose when they were saying this. And then when the moose population, and they started doing studies and now all of a sudden they're saying there's 70,000 moose and we had far, far yeah. fewer moose than, and than think, we did when they were saying we had 30,000 moose. They had no idea. No, and no I, idea. I think the hunters back then knew, at least yeah. the ones that, you know, could spend any time in the field. The dots. Yeah. They're like, okay, this. There's a lot not, more than 30,000 moose. There, yeah. There, there was. And you'll hear you those, knew that just out of personal experience. Yeah. It was, uh, and you'll hear those guys talk nowadays, you know, that holy smokes. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, we could have been taking a lot more moose. Yeah. And, hey, you have a population that's overpopulated. We did. Has a way. It of, was way overpopulated. It'll, it'll correct itself. It did. And here we sit. Here we sit. Yeah. You know, you think, you think of the deer hunting. Yeah. Remember the Milk River? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't I mean, stack I, them up. That you clearly can. was, you yeah. know, I remember watching hunting videos. Yeah. Out in the Milk River. Yeah. And it was just nature like will nature will even herds of deer. Yeah. And yeah, they had a wicked kill. Yeah. When was EHD and yeah. and uh yeah. It'll yeah. all work itself out and it does in the end. It will. If you're not careful. And it's it's hard to do. You know, you're trying to you're trying to manage this stuff with you know, like grouse hunting. You've got basically one variable you can control. Right. And you go too far one way, it could be, yeah. if everything else lines up perfectly, bad conditions environmentally, yeah. and then you combine that with a bad hunting practice, Yeah, you know, maybe it's survivable for a few years, but then you have that perfect yeah. storm and yeah. then boom, you're behind the eight ball. Yeah. I did read in, in one thing they, and I can't remember what state it was in, in, in their grouse uh, study that. They'd had a winter then, I think it was an ice, and and uh, the birds couldn't uh, get to their feed, which was buds That'd, in the trees. Yeah, it that was, would they were, sense. Yeah, and there was a big die-off that yeah. uh, that winter, starvation. Because the grouse will seldom starve to death yeah. or freeze to death. The grouse will... Which is amazing, because winters amazing. are harsh. Yeah. And I remember we were buying chickens, yeah. and when Lacey, that was kind of Lacey's deal, she was going through and picking... You know the right variety that yeah. that was hardy for this area, and she was telling yeah. me she's like, yeah, basically the birds that we've got coming, they can survive with really no shelter. Yeah, and I'm thinking, how the heck is a yeah. chicken going to survive minus yeah. forty? Then I'm sitting there going, well, partridge do it, and yeah, a lot of other yeah. birds. So yeah, very seldom do. Uh, there's been very. They do occasionally starve to death, but very, very few. Yeah. They, there's there's a lot of feed, but in those circumstances where you might have a, a big ice storm and your your branches and your buds are coated and that they can't sense. they can't get to them, then and when they, they would starve. Another interesting thing too, Paul, is they the way they're built, the their their pre gut there. They they can feed within like just a few minutes. Okay, yeah. They they can fill that crop and. Well, which makes them 
less vulnerable to predation yeah. because they're not exposed. They get out, eat real quick, and then get to cover. If you've ever worn deer season, sat along a road. They come out quick hunting, and are gone. You'll see a partridge. Yeah. If you, you know, a year with no snow, unseasonably warm, kind of yeah. watching it, especially if it's an old gravel road or yeah, something. He doesn't know you're there. No, the you'll times see a partridge that, come yeah. out and like literally come out real quick. And then yeah, gone. Yeah, and they, then maybe that afternoon you'll see him again. Yeah. And, but yeah. And I, you have time to think about that stuff and you're like, boys, when I see a bird, I'm driving down the road. It was, he's I'm not just, there long. No, I'm yeah. just happening to. We're at the right time. Catch him right at that, those few moments. He's, yeah. He's there. You're right. Because they don't spend a lot of time. They're open. No. Nope. They're, they're exposed and they don't like being yeah. exposed because everything's out to eat them. So, <laughs> including us. And you're right. You'll see him if you've got a road that has alders hanging over it. Yeah. They get those alders over their head. They feel a little more secure. Their attitude totally changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're less likely to yeah. dart and take off. And, yeah. And so. Yeah. There's something else I wanted to say about. Oh, one thing with, at least with birds and other animals that are lower on the food chain, they tend to be able to bounce back pretty quick. Yeah. If something like that happens. Yeah. Well, they're, 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 they're pretty resilient. They're, I mean, they're. Yeah, basically there as nature's food. Yeah, <laughs> for other other animals, it's part of the uh, yeah, you know that life cycle. Yeah, so they they uh, that is because they produce a lot. They do. And they they well, can, and that's uh, they can lay up to like fourteen eggs or yeah. whatever. So they the uh, they can they can reproduce. Well, they they've but, got a, they've got a lot of animals yeah. depending on them. Yeah. Yeah, and there's one other wives' tale. We're going to kick the hornet's nest here a little bit. That's uh, that. Uh, are we talking about? You, the... you, you know what I'm oh, going to yeah. say. You know what I'm going to say because I just I read a study on that too. It's never been documented where they had uh, can't have two broods. They cannot have two broods. No. The only they way can they can have, they could lay a second clock. They can lay they lose if, the first if, one. But that's if every one of the first ones is is uh, destroyed. They yeah. they will. But uh, the the numbers, I think they said it's uh, they nest May early June. Twenty four days, the eggs take to incubate. Then I think what was it, twelve to fourteen or fourteen to six weeks that to, sounds uh, about right. before they before they disperse. Yeah. So there is they can fly within is it just a few days, three days. Yeah, yeah, just a few if days. I recall just, off the top of my head. Yeah, it, it's it looks funny a, because you see them. We've seen them many they're times. They're a little fluffy thing. little fluffy thing, they fly. It doesn't look like... Yeah. And I've been attacked a lot during fishing season. Yeah, they'll hiss and... Bye. Yeah. yeah. There was one, you were putting your fly rod right... I put, she I put was my chasing fly rod right there. on top of them. And that was actually one particular spot that I'd several times had been... And usually I'm, I'm hiking in and out of a pond pretty quick, so I'm not yeah. paying right. attention. Right. I'm on a mission... And there was one, I was with a buddy, and I mean, it was raining out actually, so I had rain gear on, and that's all you can hear. The summer day, there was actually no wind, but you just hear that, that shh in, right. the, in the woods. Yeah. And I'm hoofing right along, and gosh, out of the corner of my eye, I see something coming straight at me, and I just ducked my head, and my buddy was laughing, because he said, I still didn't know what it was for yeah. about a minute or so afterwards. And he saw the whole thing. He was walking behind me. And uh, he said this partridge flew off the bank right at me. And it didn't hit me, 
but he's like, it did like a somersault over my shoulder yeah. and then landed on the ground. Yeah. And the <laughs> he was running like a little girl because the minute it hit the ground, it looked right at him <laughs> and put his head right out. He, I, he's running down the, yeah. he's like, geez, I'm, and uh, then I look up and I could see all these little birds yeah. flying through the trees. And in that same spot, that was where you, yeah. we were walking out one afternoon, I think it was. Yeah. And she was hissing at you. Oh, she right, right. From and you put your fly kid, rod uh, right I, out and on And my fly rod was broken down. Yeah, so you... So it was no longer than four feet. And uh, yeah, I put my fly rod right on top of her back. And she hissing just like a snake yeah. or something. She was she was wound up. Yeah. That was the same spot, yeah, going into a yeah. fly fishing only pond. That's happened a lot. Yeah. Uh, anything else yeah. regarding bird season? No, no. I look forward to It'll it. It'll be ball. here pretty soon. So like I said... Time to start doing some skeet shooting. Some of the, some Stuff of like the, that. yeah, we, we, as you were to raise doing that, it's your introduction, it's, a child's introduction in Northern Maine into hunting it is, is usually with the, with birds and great, stuff. Great way to break a kid in. Partridge. Yep. Great yep. way to, I mean, Lydia shot one with a 22. That was amazing. Sight. At, at eight little, years old. She's a little 22 with a peep sight. No, at, at uh, seven years seven old years she old. did it, and then she did it again at eight years yeah, old. Yeah, she wasn't quite she... comfortable shooting a shotgun with yeah. significant recoil, and it was actually a little heavy, front heavy for her. But she had a little savage twenty two yeah. with a peep sight. Cricket. Yeah, no, uh, Rascal. Okay, the Savage. Rascal, yeah. uh, I was, we were out back practicing there. I'd take apples off the apple tree and put them up. She like, they'll explode if you shoot them. Yeah. Hit them right dead center. Yeah. So I was surprised with, I mean, that little peep sight, she'd sit there and shoot those apples off. And so we were up, there was a bird along the side of the road. And I'm like, all right, let's get out. You can shoot. And she walks up and she's, and of course I'm backing her up and I'm thinking, all right, things going to fly. I'm, yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking, there's no way, freehand. Yeah. She was quite a ways away. Yeah. And uh, I should have had more confidence in her. But yeah, so I'm getting ready. Bird's going to fly up and I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. And uh, she fires and it falls over. Yeah. I was like, holy smokes, nice yeah. shot. I, I'm like, I don't know if I could have made the shot. Yeah. I can still, Paul, I can remember my first bird that I shot. And I can remember my first bird when I was alone, you know, that I, my dad let me go down the side road. We were out walking on tote roads and he let me go by myself. And I remember we, I, I just got away from he and my brother and uh, probably not more than five minutes. And I come around a corner and there's one standing just a few feet in front of me in the road. And I shot that and I was so proud. I ran all the way back to where they were to show them <laughs> that I got a bird yeah. on my own. I was on my, and I was, I was well under 16. I wasn't old enough to be on my own, but we were, we were way back in, in the woods and he he let me walk down a side road by myself and yeah i was so proud of that i ran all the way back just as fast as i could go to, yeah. to catch him those milestones are pretty big yeah for a kid yeah i had taken it on my own so so yeah. we saved lydia's we've saved a few of the feathers off the yeah uh, the tails off the birds yeah. for and yeah and the first one i ever shot I've showed you at the camp there, that little patch of woods between the two camps. That was right off a dock, wasn't it? Or yeah, yeah. Our that neighbor had up. a dock, leaned, it was just a wooden dock that he uh, used to pull his boat up on. He'd leaned it up against the trees there, just a few trees between our camp and his camp. And uh, 
Yeah, the bird was sitting in there. Gun was in the camp. We come in Saturday afternoon oh, after picking potatoes. Saw the bird when we pulled in the driveway, but the gun was in the camp, and we were pulling a fire drill trying to get the camp unlocked, <laughs> get the get the gun out of the the uh, the uh, gun case, and uh, get a shell into it. And I leaned against the camp there to to shoot the bird with an old four ten. <laughs> yeah, but you still have that four ten. Still do, yeah, yeah. Single shot four ten. Yeah, yeah. It was my grandfather's, yeah. my father's. Now I've got it. So yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm almost I'm almost 65, and I remember that the, the, those two things the the first bird I ever shot, and I was with my brother and father, and then the first bird I ever shot on my own yeah. when I was on my own. Yeah. There was no one around, and I those I can picture I'm those. I remember as, the first one I shot on my own. Yeah, I picked that bird up, Paul, and I ran like I say as fast as I could back to where I'd left them and. Just to show them. Just to show them. What could yeah. I get? I knew they'd heard the shot, you yeah. know, that, uh, so, yeah. Or when you're a kid, too, distance is different. You probably thought you were a long ways away, but. Yeah, took me about 10 minutes to run back. Just around the corner. Yeah. So. So. Alrighty. Well, there. I guess that just about sums it up. Yeah. Unless something else pops in your head. No, I better I, hurry up. Something's and close always it off. popping yeah, in. I better, yeah, you better close, better close it out because out, something's so. always popping into, into this <laughs> noggin, so. Uh, I might get myself into trouble here. Yeah, just, yeah. I've already might might offend someone. Yeah. So don't want to do that. Yeah. So all right. So until next time, get outside. It's good for the soul. See ya. Mm-hmm.